Do you remember the song There's No One as Irish as Barack Obama? Yes. Yeah. Oh I my think god, it was yes. a YouTube thing for it, a while. Well, it's, a, it's been a sensation on TikTok. Like oh, not really? super recently, but yeah, no, have you not heard this, Brian? No, was this a was this one of the things that came out of like 2008? Yeah, there was this town in Ireland because Barack Obama can trace his roots to to Ireland and it's particularly entertaining for them because Obama sounds like an Irish name. Oh, that's true. Uh, if yeah, you put yeah. the apostrophe on it, so it goes mm-hmm. like Oh, boy. I remember someone making the joke in Grand Rapids that they could get any Dutch person to vote for him if they just pronounced it Barack Obama. (laughs) (laughs) So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome to the Worst of All Possible Worlds, the first and only podcast willing to dig into the Dutch heritage of President Barack Obama. I'm the worst of all possible Joshes. <laughs> I'm the worst of all possible AJs. And I'm the worst of all possible Bryans. That's right. It's just your it's just your three boys this week. No guests. It's been a while since we've done one of these. It's we're three men and a baby, and our baby is you, Aww. the listener. Oh yeah. hey! Kuchiku. Uh, I hope you don't fall into a giant inferno of fire. I'm just going to push a mm-hmm. button for four hours to make sure that doesn't happen because we played the Stanley Parable, baby! We did. We did. That is a masterpiece of sound design, oh, that whole so sequence. Good. Oh, it's a um, nightmare. We have so much to dig into. We do. Uh, but I think we should probably start, first of all, with our experience with this game. Yeah. This internal nightmare loop of a game. Josh, to hit us off, where did, when did you first play the Stanley Parable? So I played the Stanley Parable, I think, right when it came out. If it wasn't right when I came out, it was around when it came out, which is what, like 2013, right? Yeah, well, did you play the remake or did you make the, play the original mod? No, that's what I said. Oh, oh um, well, the game was in, the, the mod was just the source engine, or was it even released as a mod before it was released as a full title? It was released as a mod for two years before it was released as a full title. In 2011, the mod came out, and then 2013, sort of, okay. it was released. Gone Home was like that, too, I think. Didn't Gone Home start as a mod? I believe so. Yes, it started, I think, as a Half-Life 2 mod. It started in the Source Engine as well. Yeah, Sure. So I played it then when it was the full release on Steam. So I did not play the actual like Half-Life 2 mod. I played the full game, The Stanley Parable, which, of course, is still built on top of the Source Engine. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was, yeah, I I, and I kind of like sat down with it, played it. And I was like, okay, I get it. Um, and, and put it away. That, that was that was my experience with the Stanley Parable. Wait, so you what, like you got one ending? I got like two endings, like, and I was like, okay. I get it. <laughs> left and right. That's it. That's yeah. All no, of them. I mean, no. I, it choices. wasn't just it wasn't just left and right. Like I, I I remember I got and we'll talk about the endings a little yeah. bit more. But I got the 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 uh, insanity ending where you you know float around and then somebody finds your body on the sidewalk. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember I got the confusion ending, uh, which. Once actually for me, it was I got the confusion ending. And I was like, OK, I get what this game is um, yeah. because well, the confusion ending has the most things in it. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, what's really funny is I had my fiance play this uh, for the first time uh, leading up to this podcast. So I could see what a non gamer would respond to the Stanley parable, like how they would, yeah. you know, react yeah. to its uh, various idiosyncrasies. And the first ending they got was the confusion ending. Yes. And they were like, what the fuck is happening? And I was <laughs> right. like, that's fair. That was a bad. E- that's a bad first ending to get of this game. My first time playing it, I'm pretty sure my impulse was just like do a couple of wrong things, but for the most part, just follow the narration. Um, right. Yeah. 
So like go through the the door on the right, but then take the detour back to the office. Um, stand around in the supply closet for a little bit. Yeah. Did did you uh, play it when it came out as well, or? I don't think I played it right when it came out, but I may have. I didn't look. I didn't look at the purchase date on Steam for when I got it. But I feel okay. like I, I must have. I remember being in in Michigan still, so I, I, it must have been right around the time that it came out that I played it. Sure. Um, apparently, the last time I played it until now, I decided to fire it up today and get the uh, five year. Uh, oh achievement. yeah! Oh hell yeah! So uh, apparently the last time I played it was 2017. So I had just passed the five year mark. But I yeah, I, I haven't done that yet. I, I should go back and I do it. I played it before that. I yeah, I was I was taken by it. I really I like walking simulators. I think they're cool. I like Dear Esther. I like Gone Home. Yeah, I like right. all of this fucking shit. I like the idea of something that is telling you a story. It is interactive. You are feeling the environment that you are exploring, but it's not. It, it it's not throwing other mechanics in there. It doesn't right. need to all the time. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, Sorry, I got very defensive there. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> right. It's a good game. I I like this game. I I actually was the one who who suggested we cover this game. Wow. I can't believe you like this game, AJ. It's, yeah. Me. Of there's all nothing people. about its sensibility that seems like it would appeal to you. I don't get it. If I had my druthers midway through this podcast, that song that plays when you follow the adventure line would just periodically play. Uh, I learned about this game through Steam Train, which was an offshoot of the Game Grumps YouTube channel, oh, yeah, yeah. and Galactic Cafe at the time, which would eventually go on to become Crows, 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 uh, the developing company behind Stanley Parable, made a demo for Steam Train specifically that yeah. talked to them. The narrator just spoke for to them. the Game Grumps, yeah. Yeah, spoke to them specifically. It was for, for Dan and Ross. Right, and right. And incorporated like, inside jokes from the channel into the narration. It was extremely effective. What was it about that demo that you think made it so effective specifically? Well, it was very funny. Uh, there was a bit where they make you wait in a waiting room until your number is called. Like, it's just like a giant <laughs> counter at the top. And your number is 28, but it starts at 19 and it moves very slowly <laughs> through the numbers. And there's really nothing makes to do you in the waiting room. feel like you're online at the DMV. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like, like, there's nothing to do. You can't pick anything up in the room because you can't yeah. interact with anything. Web so, 3. And so, <laughs> and so you watch... You watch the Game Grumps just kind of sit there for a while, or you watch uh, Dan Ross, I should say, just kind of stand there for a while, and then right, finally they don't have a video number. feed either. So you're just you're just sitting right. there seeing exactly what they're seeing. Yeah, and it uh, and it was so funny for so much of it, and then it takes this like very dark and sad turn where the whole demo you know obviously collapses in on itself mm -hmm. which is a gimmick they reuse in the mm -hmm. actual main game but it's just assets that they made for the demo and you go into this place called the isolation room and you just stand there and the narrator just gets more and more depressed and he starts like reminiscing about all the stuff that you did in the demo together which he does and also at the end of ultra deluxe right uh, with the collectibles but it just starts getting more increasingly sadder and sadder and then he talks about how you wrote up an elevator which is a thing you don't do in the demo and how it opens up onto this like wide vista of just like freedom like he just describes how great it was to finally get outside and right. the elevator door opens and it's the office it's just the office of the stanley parable okay. and you walk in okay. and the demo ends and it was just like a such a stark like gripping ending i think maybe 10 minutes into the demo i was i pre-ordered it because it came out one week later so i mm. went and i just i pre-ordered it and then i played the shit out of this game i 
got every single ending. Um, it was still at the time where people didn't know what all the endings were, so they were like coming in in like real time mm-hmm. on the feed and stuff. And I, I had never played anything like it before. Like it had yeah. such a huge impact on me. Well, I feel like that's the thing that's kind of interesting about the moment that this game existed in was mm. this was a period in time where a lot of different game developers were creating yeah. games about what it means for something to be a game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it started the, the thing that sort of started the domino going was Bioshock back in 2007. That yeah. comes out and the whole nature of choice of right. Will you kindly. Right. Sorry, spoilers for Bioshock. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't played it <laughs> at this point and you're listening to the Stanley Parable episode, I do wonder. I do wonder. Go go uh, play Bioshock. It's, it's, it's fine. fine. It's not a real immersive sim in the vein of a game such as Thief or, or Thief, Thief 2, 2, but it's fine. No, but yeah. the point is that it's not immersive because <laughs> the point is you don't have any control, Josh. That's the point of the game. I know. I know another game that came out around the same time, right? Portal portal doesn't Mm -hmm. even give you the different choices, but it still has a showdown like figure who gives you commands and rags on you a bit, has some fun with you, gets a little meta every now and then before Mm -hmm. you, you see, see her off into, into that good night. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, things like braids start coming out, right? Where it's like, what if super Mario, but you're an asshole, and, and also, also it's Princess not Pizza really nuclear bomb. a game about being a stalker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Come on, man. It's uh, like, what if Mario had a really bad night after Thanksgiving and then we mm-hmm. learn some things about him personally? What if Jonathan Blow can suck my fucking dick? What if Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan can like Jonathan, blow. give me a blow job. Am yes. I right? <laughs> Yeah, Fuck. but then Spec Ops the Line comes out in 2012, which right. is a year after the Stanley Parable mod drops, which you yeah. know has you question everything that you've done in the game. It's just like you think you're like the big bad American hero, but also, but actually, you're a war criminal. And it's like this movement comes up of like, what are we doing here? It's like yeah. the video game industry looks around and says, "What the fuck are we doing?" Yeah, and. That all starts with Stanley Parable with a guy named Davey Reedon, who at 19 years old decided that he wanted to make a game where you disobeyed the narrator. That was his entire idea. He wanted to use it as like a game development sort of like trial thing so that he could figure out how to design games. And that was the idea that like popped in his head. Uh, It took him about three years to make the mod for Stanley Parable and he released it. And that was kind of going to be it. He had plans actually to fly to Australia to start a video game collective bar and huh. actually did that for a year. He flew to Australia and worked in a bar co-owned by Yahtzee. Oh, oh extra punctuation, right? Yeah. Zero, yeah, zero, zero punctuation. Zero punctuation. Well, yes. also extra punctuation because that's his his blog. Right. Yeah, okay. His, um, yeah. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. yeah. Both things. The punctuation guy. Yeah. He had graduated college three weeks prior to launching the original version, that mod. And mm-hmm. this thing, it has no promotion. Like, there's no ads or anything taken out for it. There's no company behind it. But it gets seventy thousand downloads. Like almost immediately this thing spreads like word of mouth and wildfire and all of a sudden it's catching a lot of attention specifically from a man named william Pugh, who is turns out an actor a theater dude uh who also builds levels in source uh, no relation to florence i assume i don't think so no what about what about what about pepe lay Oh, that's a good point. So William Pugh comes on board and he brings with him the level design like pizzazz, basically, and and zhuzhes this thing up enough that they like over the course of two years, 
remake the Stanley Parable, and everything that couldn't have been included in the mod is then put into the 2013 remake, and that's the one that was released to Steam and uh, exploded and became a huge, huge deal in the video game world. This came out at just like the right time. This was just the point where you could get a lot of attention for an independent game like this. They were right in the in the correct lane. They made this game. It's very funny. It, it had a niche that no one else had because because it, it is it is a lot like Portal, but it goes a lot further. It's going beyond just the questions of like, can you ever really make your own choice in a video game? Which right. is really what Portal and Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite keep coming back to. To being like, what is choice in a video game? What are video games? What are we as designers wanting to do to someone when we make a video game? What are our impulses? That's that's where I see a lot of the, the real questions coming from that. And I think yeah. it's worth noting, too, that at this point in game design history, the reason that that moment was happening was that it was a reaction to pretty heavy like linearization of games. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just... You just really didn't have a lot of options at that point, and all of the major studios were just kind of making different versions of the same game. Now, yeah. of course, that doesn't happen anymore. That's, that's, no. that's no longer a problem. Okay, uh, but now they do it as an open world with mm, crafting. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, everything became Minecraft instead, but Minecraft <laughs> is another game that was around, like, you know, you, yeah. had, you had fucking Super Meat Boy. You had Fez. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had indie game the movie coming out in 2012. You had right. Phil Fish having a meltdown a year and a half later. Like this is all part of that same historical moment, and it existed largely as a reaction to things. But that didn't right. mean that these weren't interesting games in their own right. As we see, the narrator actually has very high opinions of a lot of indie games. He's scared of them, especially Firewatch in Ultra Deluxe, um, <laughs> which which he's, he calls a game about a pervert, which I think is yeah. very funny. It's not wrong. There's like, there's like assets here and there. There's a lot of pieces of paper that lie around and you don't get like a zoom feature. But every once mm-hmm. in a while you can crouch down and then lean your actual face very close into the screen and read what's on the papers. I'm just using a regular 1080p monitor to play this game, so it's like, okay, let's. You gotta get in close. See what we're looking at. You gotta get um, in close. There's a mask from Payday in another spot. Those were the two I noticed. Oh, oh wow! I have to go back and look at some of those other Easter eggs, but it definitely, yeah. I would say, Ultra Deluxe in particular does feel very referential. Mm-hmm. And oh, sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's in a way where it's like, okay, I get it. And again, this also oh, absolutely, comes, yeah. And this this comes yeah. back to to I think a matter of like aesthetic preference. Some of the stuff that we were talking about last week when we talked about uh, Moulin Rouge. Like, mm-hmm. I just have a certain threshold where the whimsy becomes much too much for me, and I think that yeah. threshold is lower than it is for a lot of other people. But there's a lot of cool stuff in this game. There's something that strikes me about because the narrator is an older British man, Kevin Brighting. He's done this since the mod, right? Like yeah. He wasn't some big voice actor that they spend a lot of money on necessarily. No, no, no. He was just he was just some guy that they uh, huh. were able to find because I believe he did a voice for a Half-Life 2, a different Half-Life 2 mod uh-huh. uh, that then they just brought him on and. Uh, it's been like the defining role of his career. And, you know, he yeah. got to voice him for Dota. And Oh, wow. Mm. Really? Yeah. For Dota, too. He got to oh, voice the narrator. I didn't realize that. That's crazy. I always kind of assumed because the narrator has this like is is this older British voice mm-hmm. that the game was written by like 
older British men. It and has that sensibility, doesn't it? It does. But the the guy was 25. Yeah, when, there is something about like when you play comedic PC games from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that it's like, like Infocom oh, are, feel to it, doesn't these it? These are older guys who yeah. read a lot of Douglas Adams. Yep. Yeah. And, and this is their thing. This or again, is the in the case of Hitchhiker's in. Guide, it's literally Douglas it's, Adams. It's Douglas like, Adams himself. Yeah. But like even like games like three and three, it's it's still that same sort of like, okay, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. we get it. You can also look to examples of games like, say, the the early LucasArts adventures, which were, again, mm-hmm. I think young men writing in that register of like dads, right? Yeah. Like cheesy dad <laughs> yeah. humor a little bit. A great example of that very type of wit is like literally the first thing that you're presented with when you start playing the game. You know, mm-hmm. you get this narrative about how, this is the story of Stanley. We learn that he's employee 42. Uh, uh, he, 427. Sorry, 427. He's not 42. That's Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide. Yeah. Um, and he <laughs> suddenly, like, he, he sits in his cubicle all day and he just types in commands. And one day he suddenly stops receiving orders. What's going on? And at that point, you take control of Stanley. And this is where the choices begin. Yeah. Your mm-hmm. first choice is you can literally choose whether or not you want to exit your cubicle. If you shut the door... The game is over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the narrator's like, well, there could have been so much things you could have done out there, but I guess not. (laughs) End of story. Like, at first, what you're seeing in this game is like, oh, this is going to be kind of riffing on, like, 50s stuff. This is going to be, like, office culture, things like that. Stanley is a guy whose job is just words appear on a screen that say, press the K key for... 60 seconds and he does that and then it's like press the v key for 20 seconds and he does it, that it's it's very similar to the work that uh the characters do in severance yes the tv show severance where it's like you don't know what you're doing you're just sitting in front of a screen finding the scary number right hey, it's, hey, it's, hey it's, josh funny you should mention that mm. guess what severance says was a main inspiration for their series is it the stanley parable it's the Stanley really? parable. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. surprise me. That's interesting. But, particularly the hall when the hallways start looping on themselves and the narrator's yeah. kind of like uh, biting uh-huh. for time. That shot was explicitly put into the pilot. That's of so Severance cool. Because that that, in that scene is so well constructed and it's very reminiscent, you know, narrow hallways running around. Yeah. It's labyrinthine. That's very cool. So then Stanley is is he wakes up from his office drudgery. He has right. a, a Neo in the Matrix moment. Mr. Anderson mm-hmm. himself. Yes. And he heads out into the hallway. No one's there. All of his co-workers were gone. And he makes his way to one room that has two doors. One on the left, one on the right. The one on the left is where the conference room is, where he thinks everyone is. The one on the right is where the employee lounge is, which is a pretty nice place that people might want to be. And this is where, if you know anything about Stanley Parable, it's probably this moment. Because this moment... Sets the tone for the whole game. You hear the narrator say, he entered the door on his left. And then you can choose whether you enter the door on the left or the door on the right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if you do enter the door on the right, if you like absolutely go against the narrator's wishes from the word go, the narrative will keep trying to bring you back to the main narrative. You can sit in the lounge for a while and there's a bunch of narration that'll come up the longer you sit there. That's like, yes, wow, the lounge. Really great. Really Really great job, Stan. Eventually you just run out of dialogue in that lounge. The narrator just stops talking. You leave (laughs) and there's a door that can actually take you right back to the narrative if you want. 
or you could ignore it and continue on into the warehouse where the narrator becomes a little more belligerent. Stanley was terrible at following directions. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Um, he hadn't been fired yet. <laughs> yes. By the way, uh, apologies to our British listeners for our attempts. No at apologies. British no apologies. We, we won the war, bitch. Not yeah, the second point. one, but we won the first one. It's not my fault that your fucking queen didn't know how to talk. That's right. Look, is it is it confusing that we lowered our flags to half mast when your queen died? Yeah, I'm a little confused. <laughs> but I didn't lower my flag. I, I got a longer flagpole, and I I I, I know. It ever and Jonathan higher. Blow went to town on it, just <laughs> slopping down. I, uh, I keep a flag out to catch Mario's stray Mario's. <laughs> As you try and get back uh, on track with the narrative, there are also other options to start branching out there. And you start getting the sense that, oh, shit, there are a lot of endings to this game. Hey there, you are listening to a preview of a premium episode of The Worst of All Possible Worlds. If you'd like to listen to the rest of this, head on over to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash worst of all. And you can listen to not only the rest of this episode, but our entire backlog of premium episodes, bonus episodes. And if you subscribe at the $10 tier, you will get an extra episode of the podcast every single month. Again, that is patreon.com slash worst of all. Hope to see you there.